never in the history before did we have computer systems that could learn from data, could, could, yeah, could yeah. reason like, like, like humans do. Hi, you're listening to the Learning Company Podcast. My name is Jim Morris, and I'm happy to be your host. This podcast discusses what it means for organizations and employees to stay relevant in today's rapidly changing world. Today's topic, AI, or artificial intelligence. And my guest today is Remy Healing, presenter, tech watcher, and founder of AI.nl. AI.nl helping leaders and professionals to harness the possibilities of AI, data science, chat GPT, automation, tools, and so much more. Remy, it's great, marvelous, super to have you on the show today. It's a wonderful being here. And man, you have a good voice for podcasting. Oh, well, well thank you very much. Thank you. Um, that's good, because then perhaps I won't be replaced by an AI-driven robot in the near future. No, I think you're fine. <laughs> Okay. Um, For the next five years. Okay. Okay. All right. Thanks. (laughs) Normally, I'd I'd prepare a much uh, better intro than the one I've just given you, but I thought, seeing as this episode's about AI, I'd ask ChatGPT to write me an introduction, and I've done that, and I've I've asked it to write me three. And what I did was I I typed in the the following, uh, write a short introduction for my podcast guest, Remy, who is an expert on AI. That's it. And within five seconds, consistently, it came up with something which was pretty good, you know, pretty okay, I have to say. And at the end of that sentence, I put the word funny. So to give me an idea of what AI considers humour. So we've got the funny intro, according to AI. And then I thought, maybe try something a bit more compelling, uh, a little bit uh, more weight authority, possibly a bit darker. So I said in the style of Stephen King. And then I thought, what would chat GPT come up with if I said, write me a poem as an introduction? So you've got three to choose from, Remy. You can go with uh, funny, you can go with uh, Stephen King, or you can go with poem. What are you choosing? Oh, wow. This is such a creative intro. I love it. Uh, let's go with Stephen King. <sighs> Stephen King. Okay. All right. This is, this is it. Let me, let me find Stephen King. Um, and maybe, I don't know, in post-production, I'm looking at our wonderful producer, Joel, today. He can put some music, some ominous music under this. But this is what uh, AI came up with as your introduction when I said, in the style of Stephen King. Here we go. In the world of technology, there are experts, and then there's Remy. His knowledge of AI is unparalleled, his insights as deep as the neural nets he works with. But what lies beyond the binary code and the data sets? What secrets of the digital realm can Remy unravel? Well, join me, dear listeners as we delve into the mind of this tech guru and uncover the mysteries of AI together. But beware, for with Remy as our guide, we may uncover more than we bargained for. This is hands down the very best introduction I've ever gotten. <laughs> really? Well, th- thank, you, thank you, AI. Thank you, uh, chat GPT. That is uh, basically five seconds it took to come up with that in the style of, of Stephen King. So um, It's really incredible. I would love to have that uh, yeah, I'll, somewhere. I'll, I'll mail I'll, it to I'll, you. <laughs> yeah, I'll send it to yeah. you afterwards. I, I, was, um, I was surprised. Uh, blown away with how easy that was when I went on and I and I, I just typed in those few words and it gave me this introduction. And that's really a link to my f- very first question to you, Remy. I was surprised at how 
good this introduction was able to be with such a little amount of information. And we always start this podcast with the same question to our guests. When you started delving deeper into AI, when you started really getting into this subject, what was the thing that surprised you? What, what was the thing that you didn't expect to discover? Well, I think there are two, actually. So the first being that the technology that is, this is all based on is actually incredibly old <laughs> in terms of the computer history. Yeah, yeah. So we hear about AI and algorithms these days. I think, well, in the past two years, you open a open a newspaper or, or a website and you see something with AI. Yeah, yeah. But the technology was actually found in the 1950s. Yeah. And there was so much research going on. We had a chatbot in 1966. We had a autonomous supermarket in the Netherlands in a town called Bokstol yeah. in 1968, I believe. Wow. And we had a self-driving van in the on the university campus in 1984. The okay. Nevelab, it was okay. called. So, so this isn't from the last couple it's, of months. No, no. It's been around for a while. It's been around for a while. So that was the first surprise that I had. So I got wondering, so why is it that just now we are really starting to see what the possibilities are for businesses and for our personal lives but we'll get to that in a minute the, absolutely the second surprise that i had was the incredible power of these very complex algorithms called neural networks mm -hmm. and these neural networks sort of mimic the inner workings of the human brain mm. so you can do all kinds of incredible things with it the neural networks are what powers your smart speakers at home mm -hmm. so they can recognize what you're saying so if you're yeah. asking for a specific song on spotify or yeah. maybe uh, what time your alarm should be in the morning do, do, can i just do you know what song i'd ask for uh, anything with algorithm and blues sorry, that, <laughs> that's a, sorry that's a terrible joke so, remy do do go on sorry <laughs> I, I i would like maybe we, we could ask chat gpt to write a lyrics yeah, for yeah, that okay um but it's also powered in self-driving vehicles, but yeah. it's also, and that's the most mind-blowing innovation from the past year. We all know Elon Musk, of course, from mm -hmm. his endeavors with Tesla and SpaceX, maybe the boring company, but he's also the, the co-founder of another company called Neuralink. Mm. And Neuralink is uh, creating this little, little device, which is being implemented uh, in th these days in the brains of monkeys. And it can sense brain waves and these neural networks these algorithms that can mimic the inner workings of the human brain they analyze the the, the brain waves we have and we can now control computers with our brain so, so we okay so Hank, you're saying our human brain interfaces we we link our brain to a computer is that what you're yeah. saying so we uh, that's the, bonkers the, the, yeah that's bonkers right and that's powered by these neural networks and they now have learned a monkey to play the game pong with its brain <laughs> and they try now to attach a small camera to a person yeah and the idea is that we can feed the camera information directly into our brains so that people who are who are blind these mm -hmm. days mm -hmm. can once again see because we project the image the camera senses wow. directly into our brain wow, wow, so wow. these are all the possibilities that are happening with these deep neural networks yeah. and they're also powering chat gpt and so much more and we're only scratching the surface well uh, coming back to i mean amazing coming back to your that first surprise where you say it's actually been around since the 50s i have uh, heard you talk uh, before about this subject uh, remy and you say that we're in the the fourth industrial revolution and just for our listeners a briefly recap on that in the 1780s we had uh, mechanical production you know railroads and, and steam etc the 1870s 
uh, mass reduction. So electricity came in. We saw the advent of the uh, assembly line. And then in the late 60s, more automated production. So electronics were very prevalent, computers, etc. But right now, 2023, we've got AI, we've got big data, we've got a load more stuff. You're calling it the fourth industrial revolution, or, or maybe it's not you, maybe the world is calling it the fourth industrial revolution. But it was there in the 50s. Does AI really justify that title of the fourth industrial revolution? Now, is it really such a game changer? Yeah. So you have a lot of Techno pessimists, as we call them, who say that. <laughs> Techno pessimists, okay. Yeah, yeah, who say that, well, you know, we've heard talks about automation for a long time and I'm still doing my Excel sheets uh, by hand every, yep. every, every Monday morning. Yeah, sounds like me. Yeah. yeah uh, <laughs> other people say, um, uh, well, this will never happen, as, as happened with chess, for example. Yeah. We, yeah. we said for a long time, chess can never be won by a computer. Yeah. So we have the same thing now with, with, with AI that people are pessimistic about the possibilities of the technology. Pessimistic or are we just afraid of change? Is, it, is, it a, is there a yeah. bit of fear there as well, do you think? Definitely, definitely. Uh, it's always scary when things change. And a lot of people are, there are numerous research topics on uh, the, 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 the bad feeling people get when they have to deal with change, especially yeah, yeah, their yeah. way of working. Yeah. And I think it was a research done by Edelman, a big firm, uh, that said that over 60% of professionals these days uh, feel a bit of unease mm. when thinking about AI in the future of work. Really? Wow. What, what's we, uh, yeah. they, they don't know what their role is when computers get smarter each day. Yeah. So uh, it's pessimism. It's also, well, maybe that people are, are a bit reluctant to, 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 to embrace change because it's, they don't know how it will impact their lives. Yeah. But it's definitely all right to call it the fourth industrial revolution because yeah. never in the history before did we have computer systems that could learn from data? Could could, yeah, could yeah. reason like 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 humans do? That could that could that could anticipate situations. Well, I mean, well, cards on the table, Remy. I've heard, I've read things where people are saying they're they're even sentient, which is suggesting yeah. that chatbots are becoming so intelligent they're starting to feel or even perceive things. Like, yeah, I can't I can't get my head around that. But I, yeah, yeah, is that the, 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 yeah? The, there there was a. An engineer by Google, <laughs> past year, yeah. who uh, who said that the the, the Google chatbot, who is technological wise on par with ChatGPT, yeah, that uh, that the Google chatbot had become sentient indeed. That, that, had, that, has a, that it had a personality, that has feelings, hopes, dreams, fears, and <laughs> and he didn't really get a response from his uh, from his senior staff when he uh, when he when he tried to to tell them this uh, th that he had this feeling wow. so he published all his chat records online uh, which in turn was not received well by Google so they right. <laughs> they suspended him and uh, terminated his, uh, his contract but uh, it was a very interesting case because it was one of the first times that that, that a person really felt that the chatbot had become sentient and a Google engineer yeah wow. for, for crying out loud yeah a lot of experts looked at, at the case and they all said, well, the chatbot had not become sentient. It was just trained on millions and mil trillions of bytes of data. I think yeah. the Google chatbot had consumed around 100 million books. So try to imagine a library with 100 million yeah. books and yeah. a person reading through it all, wow. trying to learn a language. And they all say, yeah, it's just like a very good parrot. It's mm. it can mimic what we would what a human would respond in a situation, yeah. but it has no understanding of what's saying. Okay, okay. Well, what you're saying, Remy, suggests that there is a a wealth of possibilities for AI, and one of the 
favourite stories, uh, one of the um, things that I really enjoyed listening about is the story of the driverless taxi in San Francisco. And uh, you've told this story be- before, but it's it's a favourite of mine because it highlights to me how the advancements in AI seem to possibly be going quicker than we can keep up with them. And I just wondered if you might recount that story again for the podcast, because I think it's such a wonderful example of how fast things are going and that we're, we're unable to keep up sometimes as human beings. Yeah, definitely. So for the listeners, that uh, it's, it's good to grasp for the context that in multiple cities in America, you now have um, various driverless taxi companies operating. Yeah. yeah. And in San Francisco, there are three. It's the one called Zooks, which is owned by Amazon. Mm-hmm. It's Waymo, which is owned by Google. And there's Cruise, which is owned by General Motors. Right. And there was this video from, I think, somewhere in June of, of last year. Yeah. Where a driverless taxi was driving around and it got pulled over by the police. And the police were stepping out of the car. This was filmed by a bystander. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you, so you see the, the policeman walking, well, walking up to the vehicle, asking for license and registration, as they always do. Yeah. And looking a bit confused seeing that there's nobody behind the wheel. <laughs> and he looks at his colleague and uh, the taxi was like, well, I've never been in this situation as well. Uh, I don't know what you want. I'll just continue my drive. <laughs> so, the, so the taxi I, I, drives I, I, off while the policeman's yeah, standing dumbfounded. I have my metrics yeah. to... Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I have a quotum to, uh, to, 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 to reach. <laughs> so the taxi takes off and the police is like, what's happening here? Sprints back to his car, goes in pursuit and it goes on for quite a while. So Amazing. This, this shows that the human machine symbiosis isn't on par yet with reality. No, this poor policeman didn't didn't know about these driverless taxis. Wonderful. And that, that uh, video has has gone viral and for those of you that want to, to look it up um, you know type in those things policeman driverless taxi san francisco and it's yeah. there on youtube it's so it's wonderful to, to see there are also by the way some other things going on with these driverless taxis because as you might know in san francisco you have a lot of bad air bad neighborhoods where there's a lot of unemployment yeah. and a lot of homeless people and these days uh, more and more driverless taxis are getting attacked so right. uh, there, there are sort of people are rioting against these driverless taxis, uh, and you have videos online. You can you can look it up as well. Uh, the driverless taxi San Francisco riot or something like that. So they're anti the driver. Yeah, so right. they're really like going at it with sticks wow. and with with leaden pipes, and just just molesting the the, the driverless taxi. So, so there's that, there's a sort of an anti reaction going on as well. So that's taking techno pessimism a, a stage further when uh, you're actually trying to next level, yeah. take up a, a, a driverless taxi. But for those of you, those people that, that that are fans, the the idea is that you phone the taxi company, you say, "I want to go from A to B," and a, and a a vehicle shows up outside your house with no driver in. You show your barcode or your uh, type in your code. The yeah. doors open, you get in, and it drives you to your destination. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and a lot of people say it's it's a bit scary at first, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd be a bit afraid, as you yeah. can uh, as you yeah. can imagine, but. People have also said that it, you get used to it very quickly. It's yeah. like with any technology. Like yeah. you're, you're very maybe a bit pessimistic at first, but yeah. then you're like, oh well, this is yeah, this is this is really normal, and, and it almost feels weird getting into a vehicle with another human being again. I'm sure that, that a lot of us uh, are going to have that experience in the in the next couple of years, five, ten years. We'll be getting in driverless taxis, and it won't just be limited to San Francisco, but it'll be coming all around the world. I guess. So, I uh, guess yeah. so. And yeah. there, there are. Well, there are downsides. They are uh, there, there was <laughs> the, uh, the, the the company Cruise um, uh, 
also in San Francisco. It's a lot happening there. It's uh, they, they, the, the, the driverless taxis lost the connection to the central server and they all stopped working oh, no. as sort of a safety precaution. But then they caused a massive traffic jam <laughs> in the city center because there were all these driverless taxis just standing still in the oh. middle of the road. And they have some they they have some issues that they don't know how to respond when they see a situation they've never seen before and people from the company has to get in yep. and drive the car yep. again to to a spot that it knows how to behave wow. so there are many hurdles that we have to that we have to cross before this really becomes mainstream yeah but it excites me that we are already living in the reality where it is happening. Yeah, and I guess one of the upsides of that is if you do have a lot of driverless taxis in a traffic jam, at least there won't be any road rage. Yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. They'll all be politely and quietly waiting until it solves itself. Yeah. But moving on, I, I want to get to the meat and bones of this podcast because this podcast, at the end of the day, it's, it's about discussing what it means for employees and organisations to stay relevant. So I want to just steer us a little bit in that direction now, Remy. We'll have HR professionals, uh, learning and development professionals listening to this podcast. We'll have people perhaps who are in the business of, of hiring new people, those involved in the creation of KPIs and, you know, learning opportunities for, for their employees. My question is, where can the, the growth and development in AI, the growth and development in AI, help the growth and development of, of me and the employees in my organisation? Yeah, I think there are two ways to look at it. First of all, as the perspective, what can AI do for me as a professional? How mm -hmm. can it make my work and life more efficiently? Yep. Uh, automate boring, repetitive tasks. Yep. So there are really a ton of tools out there that are powered by AI where you can just buy a subscription or they're for free for sometimes mm -hmm. and you can automate various tasks. So if you have a meeting and you have to transcribe the most important topics that were discussed often, you have a tool called fireflies.ai, which does that for you. Mm -hmm. Or um, if you want to improve your presentation skills, you have a tool called poised.io, I, I believe, mm -hmm. um, uh, which sort of gives you real-time feedback in your presentation skills yeah. during meetings and yeah. gives you sort of a score and you can improve the way you communicate. So there are a lot of tools that you can already use to, 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 to make your work uh, more efficient, more fun, more engaging. And people should really look out for those because they are already there. Uh, uh, you just need to look for them. Right. On the other hand, AI can really make, how do you say it, the um, the mission of the company more valuable, more tangible. Okay. So I can imagine for HR professionals or learning and development professionals that one way AI can help is to make better decisions on uh, who to hire yeah, or yeah. who to give a promotion. So yeah. Unilever did a uh, experiment where they used an art where they used algorithms to decide mm -hmm. who got up for promotions who had, right. who were the best people suitable yeah, yeah to, to, eligible to, yeah, possibly for, yeah. exactly and the results were astounding 40% more women came into leadership positions okay okay <laughs> yeah. yeah so maybe sort of the biases that we had before they really were so good in getting those out of the way yeah uh, with with this as a result so i think wow. that's a really good example of how you can uh, use AI for good because yeah so, so, uh, so if I hear you correctly a, a couple of uh, key things that you've mentioned uh, we, we can really use it in our organizations to to see where we are possibly inefficient and we can improve our efficiency we can use AI to help us make better decisions about a business possibly uh, around customer support that things like that uh, hiring and 
promotions, yeah. that sort of thing. And maybe to give another example, yeah. uh, one of the AI tools that is being used a lot in, in, in various companies are AI tools that are helping customer service employees to give better answers to people who are calling with a complaint or a question. So these, right. the, these, these software systems are listening in on the conversation. They try to pinpoint what is uh, a customer asking. Mm -hmm. They give proactive advice on maybe topics that you could discuss or possible answers you can give them. But also they're listening in and if the tone of voice gets a bit agitated, they give de-escalating suggestions wow. to, to calm the situation down. See, and yeah. I think these systems will not only be in, in the near future, so I think in the next 12 to 24 months, we'll see these systems just regular uh, meetings as well. So maybe we get uh, a tool that not only summarizes what we are saying to each other, yeah. but also gives feedback to the participants or the one leading the, conversa the conversation. Like, uh, does everyone gets their turn in giving yeah, their yeah. opinion or feedback, yeah. what kind of feedback is given and what are maybe contra arguments to the statements that are being given. So I think we'll get more AI systems in place. Yeah. And yeah. it's a bit in the future, but I don't think in the far future that we will have more meaningful meetings thanks to AI. I love that. I, lo I love especially that, that uh, example about, you know, uh, unhappy customers possibly, because then it's when... AI is meeting EI and and that's when it really does sound like it's becoming a bit sentient because to respond to that anger that frustration a customer might have it needs a little bit of empathy as well and it sounds like we're moving towards that with these these AI programs that they are be a, being able to find the the right response that will will calm somebody down make them feel heard acknowledged understood those sort <laughs> yeah. of things amazing amazing yeah awesome uh, the, one of the things that i'm hearing between the lines is that within our organizations this technology is going to save me time. That's the yeah. thing. And I, one of my, I've probably said it before on this podcast, we, can, we, we can't make more time, but we can make the most of it, right? And so by applying and using AI tools and, and, and the tools that you've mentioned, it's going to free me up to do the things that I like doing or to allow me to spend more time on being creative around things and reduce the time I spend on the on the mundane day-to-day. Yeah. -day. Is, yeah. is that right? Definitely, definitely. And there is a new skill that we should all learn, mm -hmm. and it's the skill of prompt writing. And you might have heard of it before. Prompt no. writing? Not, prompt not yet. Writing. No, no, no. No. So prompt writing is the skill that we need to have to communicate effectively with these algorithms. So you, is, you, is that like me saying write an introduction exactly, about Remy who's our AI exactly, exactly. in the so, style of Stephen King? That's a yeah, prompt. That's right. a prompt. That's okay. a prompt. Right. And we have prompts that are being used for ChatGPT, for example. But yeah. you need to know what kind of questions, what kind of, um, uh, what kind of, um, uh, um, what you want the algorithm to do. You need to tell it that. Right. Uh, so the better the prompt, the better the outcome. Okay. Yeah. And the same goes for uh, text generators like ChatGPT, right. but also for programmers using AI to write programming languages like yeah. GitHub Copilot or yeah. even AI that can, gener can generate images or even videos. Right. You need to write, give the, the algorithm the right instructions. So yeah. there's a huge wave coming in the next year or so of companies hiring people 
specifically for the skill prompt writer. Are you able wow. to give the algorithm the exact instructions we need it for to complete a specific task? Okay. And there's a company called Anthropic in the United States, which is a spin-out of OpenAI, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the mm-hmm. creator of uh, ChatGPT. Yeah. They, they just got a massive investment of about 350 million from Google. They have uh, a job opening for prompt writer and they are paying that guy or girl or something in between. They are paying 250 to 310,000 a year wow. US dollars as a base salary. Wow, wow, wow. That is how valuable they think this skill is. And I think we as organizations, maybe we don't hire a full-time prompt writer yet, but we need to upskill our employees to communicate effectively with these algorithms. Okay. Prompt writing. Okay, so listen up, everybody. There's a new job on the horizon. There's a new job to put into your yeah. organogram in your organization, and that could be prompt writer or, or director AI, but it's coming, right? Yeah, and uh, in the same thing, I've, I've said it before, but I really think that an organization should have another role, and it's called the chief automation officer. Mm-hmm. So a guy or a girl who, who gets really excited by these existing tools that are out there and getting people to use them and getting people excited about the possibilities because we all know in our daily work life it's very busy i don't think anyone says well i have a few a few hours a few hours left (laughs) i'm so bored at work i can spend time looking for all the latest and greatest tools so you should really just appoint someone you are now the chief automation officer and it could be the intern <laughs> who's very tech savvy yeah, yeah, yeah. or it could be someone in the board or s- anywhere in between someone who just is very enthusiastic about tech and gets that excitement in the organization uh, just to get this straight, we don't have to pay them three hundred thousand a year though no 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 you can you can give them uh, maybe some flowers and uh, and, and, and balls chocolates excellent <laughs> okay so you heard it here first so uh, uh, make sure you've got a chief automation officer yeah. uh, it'll really help the organization clearly it's going to affect the future of work and I love your enthusiasm, and I get that if somebody is in an organization who is chief automi- automatization officer, automation officer, then that's something that will be uh, uh, something that will um, be contagious, possibly in the organization. But I hate to burst the bubble, but I just in the in the spirit of balance, Remy, uh, and I know you're very pro AI, but what about the naysayers and the critics? And Stephen Hawking famously warned that AI will either be the best thing that's ever happened to us or it will be the worst thing. And all coins have uh, have two sides. So with all the good that AI uh, brings to the table, we need to be cautious of, it, of its flaws. There's a massive amount of computer power that it takes. There are people that I've spoken to who say, yeah, okay, great, but it's going to steal my job at the end of the day, right? So it's not a good thing. And you mentioned that um, you know, these algorithms that you mentioned earlier, they're originally created by human beings. So there's going to be intentional or unintentional bias in some of these programs, right? So it's not all good news. No, no. As you said, it, it always the story has, always has two sides. Mm. And luckily, we do have to have some control in this case. But maybe to give some of the downsides of working with artificial intelligence. Uh, f- first thing, indeed, the the change in the, the disruption in the job market. So a long time, people thought that by the year 2025, we would lo- lose 70% of our jobs. It was a big research done by two professors or two researchers from the Oxford University. Mm-hmm. And it was wildly uh, adopted all across the world. This, this research it was, was, was uh, mentioned thousands of times, but luckily we're not there yet. Mm. 
the latest research done by uh, PricewaterhouseCoopers or Deloitte or McKinsey, who do, who do a lot of research in these topics, yeah. say that in the next few years, 4% of all jobs will disappear. 96% of all jobs will change because of AI. So we need yeah. to learn to work with these algorithms. Okay. Um, in the long term, though, it could mean that some jobs will be displaced. Uh, last week, uh, the CEO of Axel Springer, the big German publisher, mm-hmm. said that ChatGPT will likely cause job loss in uh, in the field of journalism mm. because they can produce content way, way way more efficiently. So that's something to look out for, at least. To, mm. Something to keep mindful of and developments are going very quickly. So just be on top of your game when it comes to that topic. Yeah. The second thing is that there's a downside of working with AI is that Sometimes it seems like magic, right? You type something into a chat box. It seemed like magic to me last week when I was preparing your introductions. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Five exactly. seconds. Yeah. But the compute power that is being used to give you that out- outcome is is incredible. Yeah. Um, the, the company OpenAI, uh, uh, way, way back, they, 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 when they were still using robots and not just software, <laughs> they trained a robot hand to solve a Rubik's Cube. And I think the energy costs to train that robot hand to solve a Rubik's Cube <laughs> autonomously yeah. was the same as uh, to uh, power up a medium-sized nuclear power plant for six hours. My goodness. Okay. And yeah. even the technology that's now being used by Microsoft in search engine Bing, their chatbot, it's way less energy efficient than a traditional search query. So yeah. by using these chatbots, we're warming up the earth. <laughs> right, <laughs> so that's right, right, something right. to be mindful of. That is, okay. that is not magic. There are server parks who are on 24-7 and every chat query we do and every algorithm we train is causing some sort of a CO2 emission. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the third and the last, and I think that's 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 one of the, the, the one that uh, Stephen Hawking and also Elon Musk are, are wary of, is um, not only the chance of a super intelligence, so a, a computer system that is exceeds human intelligence and maybe not not be aligned with our intentions. That, mm-hmm. That's one thing. Yeah. But way more practical is the um, developments in artificial or autonomous robot, art, autonomous weapon systems. Yeah, I've heard about these AI-powered weapon systems. Yeah. Which s- s- seem a little bit scary. Yeah. So honest. you yeah. say if it, a very cute robot dog called Spot by Boston Dynamics, and you have a few other companies that are, they're building a robot that looks just like it. So yeah. it has four legs and it can, can walk around. There's a camera on it. And of course, the Americans thought of it that uh, why don't we put a big cannon on its back <laughs> and send it into the battlefield? Of course. Yeah. Why wouldn't and you? And then yeah. the, 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 the robot uh, dog uh, couldn't stand the, um, uh, the the kickback of the of the of the <laughs> cannon. So <laughs> they uh, they thought, okay, uh, a machine gun will do as well. If you look up the internet now, there are these robot dogs with machine guns on the oh, back. Yeah. Yeah. So that's there's also being talks about these 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 little drones where you have a camera and you have facial recognition, and if you put a little bomb under it and you let it fly to a specific target and you let it explode then it will be the next then the next sniper rifle basically you can you can deploy it anywhere in the world so those are really scary developments that are very likely with the existing technology yeah so there uh, there's a big organization called pux which is a sort of the the organization that is uh, for uh to stop war yeah yeah, and they Believe that the United Nations sh- should treat AI weapon systems the same way as it treat nuclear weapons. Right. Ban it all across the world. Okay. So reason to be cautious, but in the balance of things, uh, if we bring it back to uh, businesses and organisations today and the business world, 
there's a lot of positives. There's and w- possibly with a job loss, there's a job created. You've already mentioned two jobs that c- will be created through AI as well. So there's a lot of positives as well, but but reason to be to be cautious. Just as a a, a, a sidestep, just I'm curious. You're a, a leading voice in in the Netherlands, uh, Remy, and and beyond with uh, with and on AI. Who's your role model on AI? Who oh. who who are you following, or who do you look for for inspiration? Ah, oh, interesting. So I'm uh, uh, I'm I'm a really AI nerd, as you might have noticed <laughs> in the past few minutes. Shut up! No. Uh, but there there are people that are even even more uh, in uh, even more really following all the all the latest developments. You have Azim Azar in the UK, which is uh, uh-huh. who has a, a newsletter called. The exponential view, which is really good. You have a lot of people in 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 the United States, even people working for 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 Meta. John Lacoon yep. is one of the leading experts in computer vision, for example. People at DeepMind, the company that 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 once uh, that's not, that was acquired by Google, and they won the tournament of the game Go, mm-hmm. uh, which which after chess was the game that said that couldn't be solved by a computer because there are more possible uh, p- game possibilities than there are atoms in the known universe. So it's a really complex game. Uh, and, and people said, you can't win. Uh, you, c- you can't win this game with a computer. You need human intuition. And they solved the problem in 2016 when they won against the world grandmaster Lee Sedol. Wow. Well, t- take that, text pessimists, I'd yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. take that. Uh, and and it's, it's a bit sad because Lisa Dole uh, was really hurt by, by his loss to a computer and he, uh, he eventually uh, re- resigned from, from playing uh, the game professionally. Aye. And I think to make an analogy there, that it could also mean something for good because Lisa Dole lost to, to Google DeepMind in 2016, but 20 years before, in 1996, there was... Uh, the famous battle between IBM Deep Blue and Gary Kasparov. Yeah, I don't I know remember. if you remember. Yeah, I remember that, definitely. Yeah, the first yeah. time that a human grandmaster of chess yeah. lost yeah. against a computer. Yeah. And Gary Kasparov was um, also really hurt for a long time by his loss. He felt that computer system has took away something from him. Yeah. It's his meaning yeah. uh, in life. But he totally turned around. So he's now a big um, uh, AI optimist. He's yeah. a big uh, AI advocate. Yeah. So he talks all across the world about human should that that humans should work with machines to solve the world's biggest problems well, well i like that and, and to bring it back to the uh, to the organizations that we uh, want to remain relevant in this changing world i think that's a key message for this podcast is we can't avoid it it's on its way it's going to change the future of work be the optimist be like Gary, yeah, um, yeah. Embrace, it embrace it because it, it, it's going to change. You're going to have to learn to, to work differently in the future. You're going to have to learn new skills. You're going to have to learn to be a bit of a prompt writer yourself, probably on a smaller scale yeah. than your chief prompt writer in the organization. But and the optimist and the person that embraces it is going to profit. Yeah. And, and, and Gary Kasparov has a really good TED talk about this. And I love to show, I always show this in my keynotes. As the final message, he says, we should not worry about what computers can do today. We should worry about what computers cannot do today Uh because we need them to solve the biggest problems. Fantastic. I'm conscious of the time, Remy. I want to start drawing things to a bit of a close. We always end these podcasts with the, the the same question. And apart from all the wonderful information and the food for thought that you've you've given us on on AI, we want to end with a gift 
to our listeners, the, a golden nugget, something they can take away so that when they stop this podcast, they turn off their listening device, they can go and explore and discover something new, something to keep this AI subject alive. So my question is, what's your gift to our listeners today? Well, there are so many incredible AI tools out there that can help you in your daily work to make life more efficiently. And I understand that not everyone already has the chief automation officer in their in their daily work or in their organization. So I always try to keep up with all the latest tools, collect them and publish them. Yep. So if you look at ai.nl slash tools, yep. you see a list of about, I think it's now about 60 or 70, but we add about five to 10 every week. Yep. So the list gets updated. So check back from time to time to see what the tools are that are being powered by AI. You don't need any technical skills to use them and they can really help make your life and work more efficiently. Fantastic. So just to repeat that, that's www.ai.nl forward slash tools. Exactly. And there you can find a curated list of, of AI tools. And dear listener, Remy is being very, uh, very humble here and modest. You can also subscribe, I think, and people can get a newsletter. Definitely. And that's absolutely yeah. free on AI.nl. Yeah. It's really a good site. It's worth checking out. So please do that as well. Fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. Wow, uh, I feel all this AI information has um, has bulldozed a, a road right down the centre of my mind. AI is is clearly not just on its way; it's already wiped its feet and it's entered the room, and it is the future and it's shaping the future. So, so thanks, Remy, for for the introduction. My pleasure. And being here today. My driverless taxi has just arrived, I see. So uh, thank you for listening to this episode of the Learning Company podcast. If you're interested in finding out more, please, please email us at info at relevancelearning.com and join us next time when you'll either hear me or possibly a replacement AI-driven robot. Who knows? I don't know. Either way, we will explore uh, more topics to help you stay relevant uh, now and in this AI-driven future. Taxi!